Welcome to the Down in Front Podcast. How's it going, guys? Hi. We are coming to you super live, right on the heels of the premiere of the Game of Thrones, Season 7, Extravaganza. Episode 1. Episode 1. Premiere. 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 The title name is being Dragonstone. Sorry, I'm, uh, there's a lot going on in my head right now because this episode was crazy. Uh, but before we get into all the goodies and all the recaps and stuff that we're going to do, I would love to introduce my uh, friends who is with me. So I'm here, of course, with the man, the myth, the legion, uh, Mr. Jesse Kendrick. How's it going? How's it going? Good. I miss your face. Yeah, right? Yeah. I, you know, this is now, what, two podcasts in a row? I mean, That's true. I've got a streak going. I know. I mean, I saw you last week, but it feels like forever. You saw me last night. I did see you last night, we too. We were hanging out last night. Yeah. I know it was a bit of a blur, but... Uh, it was. Definitely was. Uh, so, uh, what you sipping on and uh, what you been watching? I'm drinking my classic Arizona iced tea watermelon flavor. It's awesome. Oh, they get them back in stock? Apparently. Apparently. Well, Warren actually brought it to me as a podcast gift. Thanks, Warren. Oh, oh, oh. So, I haven't had nice. one of them in a long time. It's so 50 I, cents. It's both yeah, right? So, I've been sipping on that pretty well. <laughs> this time, the price is not on the can because it was 50 cents. So, that's just... Oh, wow. Yeah, I know. That's good. I know. I thought it was Arizona, if you're listening, I'm still looking for that sponsorship. Oh, that'd be sweet. Right? Um, what have I been watching? I haven't been watching anything, but I've been playing The Living Daylights out of Final Fantasy VI for iOS. Hmm. Um, it's cool. In the United States, it was Final Fantasy III <clears throat> for the Super Nintendo. Um, it was one of those RPGs I skipped over as a kid, and it's really freaking baller. I, uh, I've been playing with a gamepad, so I just have it, like, mounted on my wall, and I'm just playing, like, I have a, a detachable mount for my iPad, and I play on a gamer mode, <laughs> and, uh, it's a really, really freaking rad game. I highly recommend it. It's, it's interesting because it's one of the first RPGs ever that, like, set the foundation where, like, everything's kind of making fun of it now, or, like, you know, they, they do twists on things, but it's like, no, this is just old school, like turn-based style, like, this is what an RPG is based on. And classic. It's, it, yeah, it's classic. I like it. There you go. I highly recommend it. I downloaded it, and I was kind of bummed that it wasn't more like a free sort of running around, so I kind of ended up deleting it, but I'm sure I, yeah. that it was a... I mean, like, like any uh, RPG, it basically doesn't get free roaming until you get further into it, mm -hmm. and then it becomes free roaming. Mm -hmm. It was one of my favorite games as a kid growing up, and... I still love those characters to that day, and I think they have the best bad guy of any Final Fantasy game out there. I think the cast is a little too large. There's like 13, 14 characters, so you're, you're kind of like, like, I only use the same four people over and over and over again, mm -hmm. so it gets a little, like, that's a little much, but otherwise, it's all game. It's all game. Cool. Well, as always, thanks for uh, coming on and joining us again as one of the originators, so as always, always. Brylin, how's it going, man? 
Good. How's it going? Uh, excellent. Thanks. Uh, thanks for hanging out again. As always, you are steady into it. Uh, what you uh, What you been doing? What you been sipping on? And uh, what you been watching? Uh, right now, I'm finishing up my sixer of Sam Adams Porch Rockers that I bought the other day. They're still light, refreshing. So on a nice summer day, like summer night, like this, it's really good. Uh, what I've been watching right now, uh, I just finished watching two really good musical documentaries. One is Can't Stop, Won't Stop, which is on Apple Music exclusively, which is about um, celebrating 20 years of Bad Boy Records, uh, nice. which was created by Puff Daddy. And he kind of like drives this documentary. It's all about like, how did he get a start and where did he end up and how are they going to honored with a 20th anniversary live show in Brooklyn. And then the other uh, documentary I watched was The Defiant Ones. And it was a four-part miniseries on HBO about uh, how Dr. Dre and Jimmy Iovine got to where they are right now, becoming like the first hip-hop billionaire. And it definitely goes back into their uh, past history. Like a lot of the Dr. Dre stuff has been covered in like um, past documentaries about NWA and uh, just seeing like other things about how he started Death Row and all the history behind Death Row. But it was really cool to see how Jimmy Ivey got his start, uh, that he was the sound engineer on Born to Run, which is one of the greatest rock albums of all time. Nice. And uh, how it just became that he worked on hit after hit after hit. And he started as a kid that hated high school and dropped out and just wanted to do something, but he wasn't quite sure what he wanted to do. Mm -hmm. uh, what's really the big difference between these two documentaries, I would say, is Can't Stop, Won't Stop. It's definitely not going to be more than what it is. It's definitely a very surface level. Let's just celebrate Bad Boy Records for where it came from, what it is. Yeah. Uh, and... But the Defiant Ones really allowed it to be shown a little bit more of the warts and all, like behind-the-scenes elements of uh, what happened and how, like, Interscope Records got started and how they almost got, uh, got shut down because they signed Death Row or they signed Trent Reznor, uh, which led to the play people like Marilyn Manson and Tupac and Shug Knight. And like causing like a lot of calamity in the music culture that wasn't prevalent at that time. So I found it to be a lot more interesting documentary. But I think both of them have good merits. They're both entertaining to watch as well. Cool. All right. This definitely sounds exciting. I mean, I would love to. I think we talk about this all the time that there's so much good content now. And if Apple Music is coming out with good content too, oh my goodness. I can't, I can barely kind of catch up, so, I mean, I'm super pumped, I'm super excited that that sounds good, and I've definitely been hearing stuff about it, so I'm definitely going to try to see if I can uh, make my round of way to uh, watch that. Yeah, yeah I definitely recommend both of them. Cool. Well, thanks for uh, hanging out with us tonight. Uh, my name is Warren. I'll be your host for this evening. Warren, what have you been watching? Oh, thanks. Uh, things you said. Uh, I actually watched the movie. Drinking? Huh? And drinking. Oh, I get two questions? Yeah, oh, thanks, guys. <laughs> uh, so I am currently drinking. I went with a standard, uh, pretty typical Apothic Red. Very good. I mean, it was great. I uh, think uh, hashtag sit to this and uh, sit to this.com, sit to that.com. They had a great post on their Instagram, and I was like, whoever 
whoever's running their Instagram, they, they know what's up. So it even had it on sale. Um, so I thought that was pretty cool. That uh, Apothecary. As that's a lot of... We have definitely reviewed that multiple times. Oh, you brought so. you, that's yeah. your regular watermelon <laughs> drink. So I'm not gonna uh, I'm not gonna review that again. Um, but as of what I've been watching, I did watch his. I'm not even sure if it's called like an indie movie or how would you describe it. But it's called The Little Hours. Have you guys heard of this movie? Nope. No. Uh, so this cast is actually hilarious. So you know for sure I don't I go into these things blind. Uh, so it stars Dave Franco, um, Allison uh, Brie. And uh, Aubrey Plaza, it has John C. Riley, it has Molly Shannon, it has Fred Armisen, uh, it has, uh, who's the guy who plays the Parks and Rec? The older guy, he's super funny, everybody loves him. Oh, with the mustache? Yeah, with the mustache. Uh... It has him. Oh, oh. The, the name's gonna come to us, yeah, for sure. Uh, but it, it was a very weird, it was a, it was a funny, it was a comedy, but... It's also very strange because it has to do with like kind of nuns <laughs> in, a, in a monastery um, or covenant. Sorry. So <laughs> it was very weird. It's very different weird movie. I, I love to talk about it a bit more. I would say uh, we watched it at like a smaller theater out in Waltham. Um, it was a weird movie. It's a weird movie. I'm interested to get more people's sort of opinions and approaches of it because I was kind of confused, but you know, it was still fun. It was pretty cool. Yeah. All right. Were you talking about Nick Offerman? Net, yes, Offerman. thank you. Yes, I, and he like even like a lot, a lot of his lines like the movie was funny. I was just sitting there like very puzzled and questioned, and I even looked over to Meg. She says she enjoyed it. I'm like, are you sure? Because do you even realize what we just watched right now? Are you sure? It's an hour and a half, so it's a pretty short movie, um, but it's funny. So it's pretty cool. Um, I guess uh, I would say uh, I wouldn't recommend it, but if you did see it, let's chat about it, sort of thing. So. That's what I've been watching. Um, so I'm excited to kind of get into, like, we're going to do this a little bit differently from our regular sort of our reviews. We're actually going to just talk about a recap. Because so much has happened in this series, I just kind of want to go down, let's, let's kind of work, work our way through the actual episode itself and kind of talk about some background information, that, things that we may not necessarily kind of know about. Um, so I'm excited to talk about this cold open. I'm going to toss it over to Brylin because... Man, oh man, do I love cold opens, and do I like yeah. it like this? Uh, I don't know if Game of Thrones ha has done it any better. So if you haven't seen, first of all, if you haven't seen this episode, you should probably definitely stop spoiler, this recording. Spoiler, spoiler, spoiler. Yes. Spoiler, spoiler. Gonna be a bunch of spoilers. We're obviously gonna be spoiling this entire episode, uh, and we're probably gonna be spoiling the entire series if you haven't seen it up to f so far. So I would say probably stop the recording right now. Um, come back, definitely watch it. It's on HBO, HBO Go. I mean, it's on Amazon. It's literally everywhere online. Uh, pick it back up, and then we'll see you in a bit. And we are back, and we are going to be talking about Game of Thrones Season 7 premiere, Episode 1, titled Dragonborn. They had a pretty badass cold open. I'm going to toss it over to Brylin, and let's talk a little bit more about that cold open. Brylin. Yeah, so if y'all remember, Arya's story of season six ended with her uh, killing Walder Frey, the patriarch of the Freys, the guy that instrumented the uh, Red Wedding, which killed Rob Stark, his wife, and uh, his mom as well, so, and killing a lot of Starks and their bannermen at the same time. It was just, it's one of the biggest turning points in the Game of Thrones story overall. So it's a bit of a shock when they open up this show and first thing you see is Walter Frey having a feast for his men. 
in his banquet hall. And you're like, oh, what's going on? Is this a flashback or is this a dream of someone? And so as he goes along, I mean, he's talking about this speech and it's well done. It sounds like he's celebrating the phrase and their good work. They're talking about the Red Wedding. And all of a sudden, once everybody drinks their wine, he starts to kind of, his speech starts to allude to the guilt uh, behind the Red Wedding. You killed a woman when she was with child. You killed your guest uh, when you uh, broke salt and bread with them at, inside your own house, which is totally against house rules. And all of the men just start dying left and right. This is all the fray men, so... All of Walter's children, his grandchildren, are here, uh, just starting to die, blood coming out of their mouth and everything. They all kill over. And at the very end, you see Walter Frey take off his face. It's Arya. And she turns to uh, Walter's uh, latest wife, who's like 13. And and she says, let everybody know that winter has come for the Freys and that the North remembers. Ah. she just walks out like a badass oh my god it's an amazing scene I mean even even in that scene I just love the like she is ruthless but she still cares that she doesn't want to take an innocent life and the way that she spends that was you know I don't want to waste this good wine on um on a woman woman. yeah and so I just like that because there's still a bit of Arya left in her that she knows that her revenge and her bloodshed is for the people who has caused harm and like sin and definitely deserve it. Uh, but she still chooses to like kind of save uh, people. So I thought that was a, a super powerful moment that, to see that, you know, Arya is, is not completely like removed from her emotions. And I mean, I'm pretty sure later on in the season that something's probably going to come back and we'll talk a, lot, a, a bit about Arya later on even in this episode because uh, she comes back too. Jesse? Yeah, it, and I think it's really good because it, it shows how smart Arya's become as well. It's not about her being like, I'm going to be as ruthless as possible. It's like, hey, if the phrase need to lose their power and not be an influence anymore, you can't just take out the, the head of the household and, and just quick wash your hands of them. They, they've procreated a lot, so there's tons of them. And so you have to, uh, you have to just call their numbers, and they be able to make it where, hey, for them to have a bona fide leader and someone that can, um, that can make the phrase a power in the world, you have to take out a lot of them, essentially all their male heirs, to make sure they can't uh, influence anybody. Close off that family tree, chop it down. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just thought it was. Uh... I mean, I just like the fact of that now, because that, that we started with this, you start hear like murmurs and things throughout the episode of, oh, something happened to the phrase, but we don't, we don't know, they don't know exactly what happened, but now they're all dead. What the hell's happening? Um, so I thought that was also a pretty cool thing. Uh, yeah, Jesse. Uh, about the cold opener, or yeah. just pick a character. Oh, about the cold yeah. open. Um, I mean, in terms of that, it was, I think, everything Brylon was going to say, said everything I thought, where it was just, I remember when it turned on, I even turned to you, Warren, and I was like, oh, wow, cold open? Like, do they usually do that? And as soon as you see Walter Frey walk out, you're like, I thought it was a flashback to the Red Wedding, but then the layout was wrong. It was just a good, good way to start a, a new season instead of just running credits and then picking them up from there. Yeah. 
It definitely was a lot of fun. I mean, the, even when we see Arya, we'll stay with her before we move on, is that we see her later on with uh, a, a familiar face, a familiar voice, uh, just going, just kind of chiming in, just kind of singing, and uh, it was a weird... It was a weird way of kind of showing that, you know, Arya is heading to King's Landing, and she ran, she runs into a bunch of these guards, who <laughs> are kind of saying about the shape of her body and stuff. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> for for those, obviously Ed Sheeran was there, which I thought was awesome. I mean, his his voice is so silky, not like yours, Brian, but it's silky. It is silky. Um, and you know, she goes there, and then we actually see this very nice moment of. Her just kind of hanging out. They offer her rabbit. They offer her wine, and um, they're all just kind of hanging out. And they even talking about their families. How the fact that it's it, it was kind of tough to see that moment because in the back of my head, I'm like, well, they're all about to die. They're all about to die. That's all I can think of the entire scene. I was like, is she just gonna shang in? Yeah. Or? But I even like the fact that they even focused on like when she was sitting down, she was assessing all of these guys, and they were all unarmed completely. Um, but even one of these soldiers says, you know, my mom, uh, when, when I'm raised, like, be nice to a stranger, that stranger be nice to you. So that was very an interesting sort of line to say about that because they are now, they are a part of the Lannister army. Um, and that's who Arya is really trying to get rid of entirely. So that's a very interesting sort of concept of you see them being super nice and she's actually smiling and having a good moment. And truthfully, I don't think I've, we've seen Arya smile since... What, the first episode? No, technically she smiled when she killed him. Oh, for, <laughs> well, yeah. she was smiling when she killed Walter Frey and yeah. when she walked out, so fair enough. Um, but, like, it, it was just a nice moment, and I did like that moment just to see. Uh, I'm liking how we, like, tracking Arya's uh, pr progress and see what she's doing. So I gotta interject, because I have no freaking clue who Ed Sheeran is. I'm sorry. No, I'm, I'm not with the pop culture. Oh, man. This is so why I don't have the internets and... I'm I'm not with the cool kids. I don't know who the fuck he is, but Super but I gotta interject. When I heard him singing, I was like, "Why the fuck is there pop music in a Game of Thrones?" Because he was singing <laughs> it very like, "What a day!" I'm like, "This is really out off." My immediate thought was, "This is way off kilter with the usual Game of Thrones tunes." And so then I find out after the episode that it's some pop singer, and I'm like, what the fuck? Like, really? <laughs> really Game of Thrones? I liked it. I hated it. Brown. I was like, this is way out of place. And I, I didn't even know who he was. I thought the scene was really good, just because um, with all the big picture stuff that happens in Game of Thrones and the, the big characters that we stick with, it's good to also remember that all the little people that are affected by all those choices and decisions that those people make. And so just seeing a bunch of soldiers sitting around having dinner and taking a moment to get away from what their duty is to just be people, yeah. uh, it's good to see that. I would say the Ed Sheeran thing, it was a bit of, took me out of it a bit because I couldn't help but see Ed Sheeran uh, and his weird facial hair versus like a, a Lannister soldier. Yeah. I mean, I thought it was weird because I think, I thought for sure he was going to die, and I thought that would be hilarious, too. That's that would have been awesome if yeah. just, like, needle goes through his face. I thought, because she was, he was sitting the closest to Arya, so I was like, hey, if she kills him, I'll be kind of bummed, but, I mean, it's expected, right? Like, somebody famous pops up, of course they're probably going to die. Um, yeah. So, I, don't know, I thought that was pretty cool. But yeah, so we know that Arya is an absolute badass. We're going to move on to our next sort of character recap of, I have here, we have Bran. So now we have Brand traveling, and he's now officially like 
he is the three-eyed raven. Uh, and so they actually finally kind of get to the wall. Uh, and then you see everybody who's at the wall itself. And so isn't it a whole thing, though, that if he crosses the wall now, like, the world is fucked because he's allowing the White Walkers in? I think that was that circle thing that he already, he already messed up. He already messed up. He already fucked it up. Yeah, he done fucked up. <laughs> he, done, he done fucked up. Um, but yeah, so he's a, like, he finally gets to the wall. I don't, I don't think too much happens here besides we know that the army of the dead is moving. Um, and we know that they actually are heading to the wall and trying to see what's, what's going to happen out there. And to the fact that Bran can, you know, had to uh, prove himself of who he was by telling, by saying, hey, I know that you saw the White Walkers at Hardhome. I know that you fought with them. I, was, I, I, I know exactly what you're feeling and I, and I believe you. Um, so I thought that was a, I thought that was a pretty cool moment just to give him some screen time because I think arguably he's one of my favorite characters that I want to learn more about because I think he's going to be a huge part in this, the rest of the series entirely. The one thing I kind of, I liked about the brand stuff too is there's this one shot that's just off into the ice and it's the White Walkers walking towards the camera and I couldn't help but think like, well you only have eight episodes, you only have an hour every episode and you're going to use up like five minutes of that episode just for the White Walkers to walk towards the camera. And I was like, oh, that's a bold decision. Yeah. When you only have so much minutes of screen time left in an entire series that you're going to do one long, long take like that. Yeah. But that shot was very impressive. Oh, because you just get to see how big that army has grown. Yeah. And yeah. it's just become the most impressive force in Westeros. And uh, as much as they've been doing for the last six years, they keep on marching. The North is a big place and it takes them a while to get there. But they are walking though, so you do have to remember that majority of the people are taking ships or, you know, horses. They're the only crew that is walking. So that does take some, some time, I, I would say. Yeah. Um, but I, I thought that was a pretty cool moment. I did, I did like that because it, uh, you know, it shows that they even added giants. And I think uh, Jesse mentioned this of, oh, they have giants now. They have a bunch of giants. So that's like a thing they actually kind of have. So uh, that was a super powerful moment. I'm really interested to hear more and more and like see what happens with them. But I think the from the time that's going to happen is once they actually breach a wall, that's probably where it's like shit starts hitting the fan. So let's toss it over to Winterfell. So we have John and Sansa. And so now uh, John is like getting everybody together, uh, knows that we have to kind of figure out getting Dragonglass, and I think he makes a really good point, and he actually makes a really strong argument of saying that, you know, everybody has to learn to fight, and even women, and they have a screen, they have a shot with uh, the Queen of Bear Island, and they have a shot of um, uh, Lady Brienne, and women are just as equal, at this point now in war, women and men are equal, uh, boys and girls are all equal, and we even see that they they hinted at it a little bit with uh, the Karstarks and the um, I can't remember the other name. Uh, the Umbers. Umbers, sorry, right. So those are uh, like very very young those children that are now, um, uh, you know, head of their houses. Head of house, yeah. Yeah. So I think that was pretty cool, and then we actually see the fact that there's a bit of a uh, like a tiff or like an argument between John and Sansa, and the fact that. You know, Sansa wants to just completely take those uh, the history away and kind of assign it to like new families. Where John really, really is about of you know preserving the actual history because and I think he he mentioned this a lot of you know I'm not going to punish this family because of a bad seed or a bad you know father like that's let's not do this like 
they have been there forever. They fought for our father and they turn, but they can always come back. So I think that was a, I think that was a really cool way of binding people together because he knows that the, the biggest war has nothing to do with any anybody that's living. The biggest war is going to be against the dead and what we can what we can do to try to rally our forces. Um, I just like that wholeheartedness of him. Uh, but then. Then, you know, they get out of that moment and it's like a, a, a little, uh, like, brother and sister fight after that. And I thought that was really pretty cool. So that they know they still have a personality with him. Uh, he's now, he, he's been leader of the what He literally has done a bunch. He's even died and come back. So you know that a bit of him has, he's definitely changed and grown. Um, but he also knows that he can be kind of softer. And when he even got hurt, the fact that Sand, uh, Sansa said that, you know, she referred to him as Joffrey. And that was... Uh, kind of pretty crazy. Um, so yeah, you know, just looking at all the information that we get in Winterfell, what do you guys think? Um, I think it's real. I mean, this moment really shows how much these characters have grown, and it's good to see where they're at now versus where they used to be. Uh, I think they're like one of the past seasons. Uh, they used to talk about how Sansa was more like her mother's side of the family. The uh, we were the um, the uh, fish. People, I forget their house name right now. Oh, uh, uh, but, the Tarleys. Uh, no, what was that? The, I was gonna say the Tarleys, but no. Oh, Lady of the Veil. Vale, the 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 Veil. Vale. No, the no, fish people it's are not the, the vale. Tarleys. Oh crap! Fish people are. It's gonna take me a minute. Lady of the Veil, vale, right? The Veil. Vale. No, they live in uh, River Run. Oh, okay. Yeah, so just right south, like west of the Vale. We'll pop up. There's um, a lot of names. There's a lot of names in this, in this series. There's so. a lot of names. But it's really <laughs> totally. cool to see it's the like, the her us. attitude towards things and that she is like plotting and planning. And it's probably smarter than John. And she knows that there's an edge of ruthlessness. And she's become like full Stark. She is the mother wolf in the house Stark right yeah. now. And she definitely wants to work out and make sure the best happens for them. I love the fact that she even says this line of, you know, Father and Rob basically were like very great people, but they made dumb decisions and they got killed, and I don't want to see that happen to you. And I like the fact that she even says you have all this war experience. Yes, that's awesome. That's something that we necessarily need, but you don't have the experience that I have of learning from Cersei, learning from all these like smarter people against her. And I just love the, the growth of Sansa and... She literally was hurt just... At first, you see the scenes with her and Littlefinger of he's clearly dominating and he's kind of... Uh, he can manipulate as much as possible. And now we see her that she's like, oh, I know exactly what you're going to say. Uh, and she even mentions to Brienne, I know exactly what he wants. And says, oh, don't worry about getting the last word. I'm sure it's going to be something clever. Oh, man. Like, shut up, bro. Uh, I just love... I like that. I, finally, I'm just glad that Sansa's not in this weak character capacity anymore. She's finally kind of spreading her wings a little bit. We saw a, a tidbit of it in the end of last season, but at least this this season so far, we've seen that she's going to be a voice and she's going to be more of a, a prominent, kind of stronger character. And I think it's always good to see strong women characters that can even balance, if not even overcome, against a strong sort of male character um, in the actual series. It's pretty cool. Jesse, any thoughts on Winterfell? Uh... Not really. Nothing more that you guys would have talked about. I mean, other than uh, Stanza just being like, yo, I've dealt with the darkness, and I get it, mm -hmm. and I'm, Dad tried to protect me, 
and don't you dare protect me. And that was that was really it. It was just a good moment from her. Considering it's a character I really don't care about much. Really? Yeah, probably my least favorite character in Game of Thrones. That's fair. I mean, like, at one point I, I hated her just because it felt like she constantly has to be saved or rescued. Right, exactly. Too much of a um, damsel in distress. But I, I feel like now just, like, her screen time was, what, maybe five minutes, not even, in this entire episode. But she has shown more growth and she was way more interesting of watching here than anything else uh, yeah. in, in the actual series. And so I, there's a progression there. There's some build and there's, some, there's something there. There's some substance there now that I, I like watching her. But, yeah, but I, I also and I also like to see uh, that uh, Torment Giants thing still in love with uh, Brianna. <laughs> That's so fun. Still going after. I mean, I love that. That's also fun. I, mean, I guess my only favorite thing about this is that I am a bit nervous that, um, you know, even John sort of like hinted at it, and I think we are starting to see that Sansa, you know, she she kind of is like looking up at. at, at well, not looking up is not the right word, but she like looks at Cersei and what Cersei's doing, like learning from Cersei, and also learning from Littlefinger and like learning from what he does, and she's also going to become this this force to be reckoned with. But so she's already very anti Littlefinger already. Yeah, but he she's anti Littlefinger, but she is more like him than she even imagines right now. Because she, I think, big John's yeah. biggest concern is. She'll become one of them, and she'll become another issue for him to deal with. Yeah, yeah. So I know, I know, John's trying to protect everybody as much as possible now. Um, so yeah. So let's leave Winterfell. Let's uh, let's pop on over to uh, let's talk about Cersei and Jamie. And so we're now back in King's Landing, and uh, it's a it's a very I really enjoyed this scene. I really just enjoy this entirety of it. Uh, I enjoyed the entire episode. Let's be honest. But the fact that they're they're finally painting a map, and I think Jesse was kind of alluding to a couple maps that we saw in this episode of, you know, they're painting this map, and you know, her she is talking to Jamie about all this other stuff of you know war and trying to fight these battles. But Jamie's like, wait, 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 we haven't even talked about the loss of our son right now, and now all of our children is dead, and there's we we can't even like get our bloodline, but we're the last living uh, Lannisters besides Tyrion, and he's turned against us, and um, it was a weird moment of, she's like, I know, but at the same time, I can't really be in that capacity anymore, I now have to be a ruler, so it was a really weird, it's a, it a very strong sort of moment between that, because then Jamie was like, okay, I understand that, so let's get back into like the war tactics, and we need to have a bunch of different allies, um, and so we now see that uh, uh, Cersei has, like, went out and got, like, um, crap, all these names are killing me for right now. Uh, the island of the water, the octopus. Oh, no, you're on Greyjoys. thank you. So they Great got, voice. so, uh, we know that we actually have the Greyjoys coming, and it looks to be that it's gonna be something, like, that is, like, the best armada, and him and Jamie even has a, a moment there, too. Um, so, I, I mean, I just enjoyed all this stuff because it does talk about, hey, in the past that Tommen just died. That, that's a thing. Like, that's something that, you know, a mother losing her last child now. One was murdered in front of her. The other one was poisoned and didn't even get a chance to see her. And then the last one was kind of committed suicide. So it's crazy that their three children had all died vastly different ways. Um, but, you know... Yeah, what you got? But what are you guys' thoughts on uh, Winterfell? Oh, excuse me. What are what, what are you guys' thoughts on King's Landing? Can I, can I hop in? Yeah. Uh, that scene where they're over the painting. At one point, 
he they're talking about their dynasty, and Cersei says, "Oh, I'm going to. I want our dynasty to last a thousand years." And Jamie goes, "Well, we're the last ones." And she goes, "Well, it'll be for us then." And it's kind of this weird implication that either a she's finally snapped and thinks that she's going to live forever, hmm. or b she just wants her name in big bold letters. And the look that Jamie gives her, like, mad props to that actor because he has this like mixture of like what the fuck kind of confusion but also kind of concern because she's in like either weird denial or she's actually gone crazy mm -hmm. and i was like oh that's such a perfect little response from that actor and uh i just wanted to bring that one up was that one statement of her being like cool will last a thousand years and it's like wait what yeah, I would say besides Bran as the character that I'm, um, I'm really excited to like, learn about more as the actor. I think Jamie is gonna be my like right there. Like, I want to see that actor in more things. So well, bad. Uh, he, I'm gonna look at him like as he's Jamie every single time. But I he, he's been he in a couple really of rough nice. things, Gods of Egypt. Yeah. So, ugh, <laughs> my goodness. But uh, he he's he's great in this capacity. I just I just like the fact that Jamie has gone all over the place of trying to figure out, you know, what his motivation is as a character. And now he's trying to be at his sister's slash lover's uh, side of trying to kind of console her, but at the same time trying to piece together, try to figure out, you know, what father did. And uh, they're twins, so it's, it's interesting because they're the same age. So that's off I think that was also a really kind of interesting point of he's concerned about her, and I think he's the only person that's going to be concerned by, uh, about her at this time. Right. Rylan? Uh, yeah, so uh, I I like what Jesse brings up is just like we're starting to see the madness of Queen Cersei, and uh, that even though it might seem like she's not on the outside mad, her decisions aren't totally made in, with the most sound mind. Um, I found that the conversation they had over the map was definitely really impactful and spoke a lot about like their relationship and. Uh, it, it's 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 kind of heartbreaking to see Jamie standing there with her, like because he madly loves her and it, it's his sister and part of his family, and at the same time he knows that she shouldn't be the one that's in power. Um, is he gonna have to take out another mad leader? Is probably what's right? going through his mind. Oh, could you imagine that if he has he has to kill his sister, who's the Mad Queen? Yeah. That would be, be nuts. Yeah. yeah, I mean, for sure, but, like, the perfect setup is, you know, you've killed this and everybody hated you for it, now you have to do this and that was your sister, so your entire, like, bloodline, like, who, who knows the implications of that without, I mean, pretty cool. Um, yeah, what, but, what, something really bothers me about this scene, though, is with the Greyjoy. So, um, last season, you the last scene you see of uh, Euron is he's talking about build me a thousand ships and I'll bring you the world to the rest of the um, Ironborn. Mm -hmm. uh, and then he, they arrive in, they arrive in uh, King's Landing with all these brand new ships that are heavily armored and they look better than anything that's been in the seas and they're moving mad fast. How many years have passed for this to actually happen? <laughs> this show is terrible with timelines, man. Well, I think that's one of my biggest gripes of Game of Thrones is like, Dude, how long was Sam in the Citadel? I don't freaking know. Yeah. Like, like a lot of the timeline stuff is. Boring. I mean, I think yeah. it's also show that time has passed. Uh, and I think the 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 key indicator there is a everybody looks older. 
B, uh, if we talk about Sam in the Citadel, that child is at least five or six now. Uh, but that child was a, like, if you look at it though, that was a he was Maybe a baby. Two. Well, but he yeah, but he was a he was a baby like still in her arms, yeah. and now he's like standing up and playing and like I think there's definitely supposed to be a passage of time that has happened. How much? Unclear. Uh, because if you look at Jon Snow. Uh, they are the same. They're in the same position, sort of thing. So I was like, well, "How much time?" Yeah, and like Arya's story starts kind of right where it left off. So it, the the time the time sequences are not really matching up in this episode. So you're not quite sure exactly how much time has passed. Well, arguably, right? You can say that the cold open was just a continuation of the final scene sequence of last season, right? And then anything yeah. after the introduction was the time passing. So. You could say that if you wanted to, but you could. Yeah, I know. We're not. I, we don't need to go into detail that deep about you know the time passing. We know some time has passed. How much? Who knows? But we try to figure it out because at the same time, how long have the White Walkers been walking? Who knows? Uh, many, many millennia. Right. <laughs> so let's chat about Sam. I know we uh, mentioned him. He's in the Citadel. Uh, they give it in a bit of recap that he's there and. He's trying to, he what he wants to do, the reason why he's there is just to get more information on how to defeat and like the White Walkers or try to find any sort of clues about where Dragonglass is going to be. Uh, but we have seen that he is uh, in the shit of it. Yeah. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so he's God. cleaning pots and uh, scrubbing out poo and they give this weird montage that I thought was kind of funny. I didn't uh, like I, I know, neither did Brian, but uh, I thought... Uh, I mean, it was just getting too much. I mean, one after the other, just the bedpan after bedpan. It just but, made me sicker and sicker to my stomach. But it's one of those things in which I think that was another way of talk about time passing. So I was saying that he was do he has to do that like every day. And he's basically like a uh, assistant to just about every kind of maester and... Uh, he knows that he has to get information. There is a restricted section in the library, kind of like Harry Potter, weird. Um, and he gets uh, access to it, but before he had this conversation with this, um, the guy doing the autopsy, and uh, it was interesting to the fact that he actually says a lot of lines of, you know, we are the history. We have to protect. We All the maesters live their lives differently, and, and it's like all the maesters are kind of bound together to, to try to preserve that history of the world as much as possible. I thought that was just a very interesting, sort of powerful line in the fact that he believes Sam because he's keeps bringing up that White Walkers and Army of the Dead is going to happen. So he believes him, but at the same time, it's like, well, if it's not going to be for us, then nobody's going to know what goes into these books. So it's a very interesting, sort of uh, different, sort of um, kind of perspective talking about uh, just maesters in general. And then we're kind of we know that Sam kind of steals the keys. He gets like the restricted books and kind of finds some information of where Dragonglass is. Uh, we'll talk about that in a moment. So that was actually a pretty cool sort of moment. Uh, a little bit too convenient, but cool nonetheless. And then we last kind of left off the last moment with Sam is that uh, he he's going to people who uh, clean up their their bowls, and we actually see Jorah is actually in the Citadel, and his entire arm seems to be covered in kind of grayscale. Um, so I thought that was a pretty. I, I thought that was a really awesome moment because I forgot. I literally forgot that he was going there. And I think you guys reminded me of that. Yeah, so that was pretty cool. Jesse, um, I'm gonna say with the the montage, I didn't like it not because it was gross. It was because it was poorly done. Hmm. Um, I'm not a fan of montages in general, but it was very very like 
Okay, cut to same bowl, cut to same uh, latrine, cut to him gag. Like, it was very basic. Like, you don't gather any new information. You don't... Like, a montage is supposed to help drive things forward, and if you're repeating the same scenes, then all it's really doing is saying, hey, he's been doing this for a while, which can be done script-wise much more creatively. Mm. So that's why I was a little upset with the montage, because I was like, one, it's out of tone for Game of Thrones. Two, could have been done but handled better a different way, because you don't gather, like, it's not a montage in the sense of, like, oh, Rocky is getting faster and stronger. You're not gaining any new information. You're yeah. just basically getting told the same thing over and over. That's why I didn't like the montage. Um, in terms of another thing that bothered me was his... I liked the scene, but I didn't like the connotation, which was the conversation that he has with the maester when he's opening up the body. And he's like, well, I know the White Walkers are coming, and the maester's like, oh, I know they're coming, but, like, shit happens all the time, and, like, yada yada. And I was like, oh, that's such a really good speech. But, like, as a maester, like, wouldn't you want to, like help learn more about the situation. Like, the whole reason he's there is to learn to, like, help out a situation. And, like, is the, it, it changes what the purpose of the maesters is. Yeah. Because the purpose of the maesters is to help the houses. And so for him to say, oh, well, we're just a watchdog group. Like, it doesn't matter. I was like, well, that kind of contradicts everything I ever thought maesters were supposed to do. Well, I don't, I, I don't know if it was clear. Maybe I missed it, but was he a maester? Yeah, yeah. Okay. He's a grand maester. Oh, okay. Well, that's even worse. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. So his his take on it was like, oh well, it wars happen, battles happen, like whatever. We're just here to be the smartest guy in the room. And I'm like, well, isn't the point of like like right now Castle like Castle Black doesn't have a maester, so like you should probably get a maester to Castle Black, like. That's what the point is, is every place has a maester so that you can have the smartest guy at a location. Yeah. And it seemed weird to see the maesters be like, nah, we're just going to withhold information because we're dicks. It's like, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> I mean, it could be a reform happening. Brian, what do you think? Um, yeah, I mean, there's some, there's some really good points that you bring up with that uh, Grandmaster speech. And um, I think it's... I think with a lot of Game of Thrones things, it, it definitely stays in the uh, the realm of the gray rather than taking a black or white stance on something. That there's like they're they're basically to observe a report. They're like the world's greatest security guards or something like that. <laughs> um, but I do like. I mean, I think he has good points, but also think that um, apathy can definitely lead to uh, the situation getting worse as well. So. I do like his point of we're here to be the memories of the world and we need to be the ones that are take the first shot to preserve the memories of the world but also at the same time if you don't use that knowledge for good and you just sit on that knowledge you're not really helping anybody out. Um, I think that uh, Sam sneaking into the uh, sneaking into the, uh, the, the restricted books a uh, little too easy for him, maybe. Yeah. I think it should have been earned a little bit more. But uh, I like the surprise of there being a mountain of dragon glass and Dragonstone. I think that's a really cool thing they've added to uh, what that place is all about. And, uh, and like, being someone that's read all the books and has absorbed, like, a lot of uh, Song of Ice and Fire knowledge, that it's really good that... The TV show can surprise me, 
because right now I'm in the same boat as everybody else because it's all past the books. But also they keep in mind of like the mythos and the uh, history that the story's based on and kind of are still making some clever nods to things that aren't direct uh, apparent direct things that are apparent in the books or the uh, TV show, mm-hmm. but they, they actually make sense and they kind of add more to like, why is Dragonstone called Dragonstone? I think it's really cool. Yeah. I mean, I thought that was a cool moment. I, I am a, a little nervous about that reveal though, because we know now Dragonstone is in, Dragonglass, excuse me, it's in Dragonstone, is a mounting of it. Uh, so he sends a raven, you know, to Jon Snow to, talk, to tell him about that. But is he going to continue to be a maester? Or is he going to then leave and then try to go get it? Like, I'm wondering, like, is that going to be a, a task for somebody else? Is Sam going to actually finish being a maester? Is he ever going to start studying to be a maester at all? Um, it'd be well, weird I to see. he is studying to be a maester, and he's just, like, you know, level one of maester school that... Yeah, you're going to do all the rudimentary bullshit before you get to uh, even touch your first science experiment or something. And I think that's like kind of like the nature of a lot of apprenticeships that happen like this. Yeah. Uh, and um, I think, I mean, one thing about maestership, I mean, it takes a long time. It'll take a decade, two decades to actually become a maester. Do they really have that time now? Yeah, because I'm wondering if he's going to, like, jump a couple of things. Like, he's going to skip a bunch of steps, right? And then I think there's time for... Uh, I don't know if that speech also was kind of alluding to, like, it's a time for reform. Like, things need to change. And so if Sam's going to become this... I don't know, I'm like, I'm just thinking it right now. If Sam's going to become this different maester, that he may not know all the information, but he has, like, certain knowledge and certain information of something, and they still appoint him. So he's going to be this first... Maester that doesn't really like blast it through the school like quicker than other people. Maybe the position changes because a bunch of different history and a lot of things are re- re- rewritten in history. Um, who knows? I don't know. I think it'd be cool. I definitely yeah. don't want to see him stuck there because now if we know where the dragon glass is and let's say he has a couple of uh, like conversations with Jorah, maybe, but like we're, there's a bunch of other mysteries I'm sure we can learn, but. If he's there, he and he has a sword there that is um, a part of the uh, uh, metal. What's the name of that metal? The special metal. Valerian steel. Valerian steel. Yeah. So he, we know that he's not going to stay there. We know that sword can't stay there either. So he's probably going to leave that that area. But I don't know. We'll, we'll see. see. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, and I mean he might become an unchained waster, much like Kyburn. Oh but, yeah. Uh, definitely with. Different motivations. <laughs> He's not bringing people back from the dead? He might, but maybe for a good reason. No. <laughs> uh, so let's talk and about the hound. Like weird chemicals. Oh, man, that'd be cool. But let, let's talk about the hound. So we see the hound, and um, I'm going to uh, chat. I'm gonna toss this over because names are escaping me right now, but Bradley's going to be much better suited. Uh, so we see the hound. He's with uh, a bunch of these people. Um, just kind of hanging out, kind of traveling together, and we get a, a bit of a, a cool moment that's happening with the Hound. And uh, Bradley, tell me more about what's happening in, the, in that particular sort of scene that we see. Uh, so Sandor is met up with the uh, Brotherhood of the Seven Banners, which are um, a group that we've met before that uh, took Sandor Kilgain prisoner many seasons ago. Uh, and it's led by Barret D- Darien, the Lightning Lord, 
He wears an eye patch. He's died many times. And there's a red priest called Thoris Amir, who is also a knight who has a flaming sword that hangs out with him. And they also have a lot of other colorful characters that may or may not still be with them, if I remember correctly. Uh, and they're just walking through the snow. They're definitely in the north. And they run into a familiar shack, which was the shack of this uh, father and his daughter that uh, gave Arya and the, uh, and the hound shelter uh, back in, like, season two or three, I believe. That's why I didn't remember. And, yeah. Yeah, and it was a long time ago. And, uh, and they fed them. They told them, hey, we don't have much. I mean, the lands are burnt. There's more going on. Um, I have silver tucked away. Uh, and then the night, and they go to bed. They just share stories, having a good moment. Then when they wake up, Arya sees the hound has killed both of them and taken the bag of silver because he knows they won't survive till winter. They don't have the food for it. The silver might as well go to good use. That was kind of his mindset mm. at that time. Mm. Yeah. And so they go into this house. It's abandoned. They see the two skeletons in the corner clutching each other. And it becomes a moment where Sandor's trying to be... Uh, I mean, I don't know if he's trying to be a better person, but he's trying to be someone that has a purpose, I would say. He is definitely a survivor, and it's good to see, like, with his conversations with uh, Thoris and Barrett, like, he talks to him and he, like, shits on him like he usually does, saying, like, you're a boring dude, and you're just a bald dude that top knots hiding your bald spot. <laughs> um, but uh, just like what Red Priests do, they're like, Thoris asks him to look into the fire. What does he see? And he finally, I mean, one thing is he hates fire, so he doesn't want to get too close. But when he does get close and look into the fire, he does see the dead marching. Talks about East Watch by the Sea, which is a fortress uh, over by the eastern part of uh, the wall. And that the uh, dead are marching past it. Mm. And so that's something that kind of shocks him that he's able to actually see this. He still says he doesn't believe in faith or religion that much, uh, but they they start to think there might be something up to this. Yeah, I just love this. I love this scene. I think we talked about this before because it just felt like they took their time with this, and I think we even mentioned the fact that you know they took time with seeing like showing you know White Walkers just marching, but they at least took time for to show that. You know, he's definitely hurting. He, he like, Sandra Cobain, or the Hound, is definitely hurting at this point. And he at least trying to make amends for, you know, his past life and his past self of what he used to be. So he's trying to become, like, a, I think a, be a better person. Or he's trying to at least, like, say, you know, I'm sorry. Like, I'm sorry for my actions. I'm sorry for what I've done in the past. And um, I just like that. I just, I just like the moment that was happening there. I think even Guillermo mentioned that he absolutely like loved that scene. He went back around just to watch that scene, just to see like the character development that happened there. Um, cause that was, I thought that was a pretty cool moment, because I think this is the first time ever that we see another character, because he kept saying the majority of the time he doesn't believe, he doesn't believe, he doesn't believe, and he is his uh, hatred for fire because of what his brother did to him earlier. So now we get something that he's starts to slowly see, and he starts to see that, okay, there's probably more that's out there. There's probably more than meets the eye. <laughs> um, so uh, the, <laughs> uh, let me have that one. Um, so uh, I think that was a pretty uh, beautiful scene, Jesse. 
Um, it was actually the first time that the idea of Hound and the God of Fire, like, clicked with me. I was like, oh, that makes sense. The guy who's, like, badly fire-burned has some sort of link with the God of Fire. I was like, oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Duh. It was kind of a, a moment. Um, I thought the scene with him, like, looking... I, I thought him looking into the fire and being like, oh, I see a castle on the end of the wall. I was like, that's, that's a little out of character for him a little bit. Like, I wanted him to be like, the fuck? Like, what the fuck? What the fuck? There's a, a wall? Like, I wanted to see that that part played off yeah. a little different. Freaking out a bit. Yeah, you, you'd think with somebody who was a huge non-believer all of a sudden seeing shit in flames. Like, but he was he was with those people though for a while that like messed him up. So that that was at least the, the my realization of well he's he they literally were talking about all this religion with him this entire time. Um, so maybe he slowly is, but I think his hatred of fire was the main one. And I think even uh, Beric Dondarrion kind of mentions the fact that you know isn't it weird that you out of all people are with the Lord of Light and. Literally the same lines you were talking about of like that's not a coincidence, right? Yeah. That's divine, uh, divine justice, I believe he called it. Um, so it was funny. Yeah. And that's my take on that. That everybody, otherwise you guys said everything else I was looking for. Mm -hmm. Yeah. One other thing I really liked about this scene is that uh, in the middle of the night, Sander takes the time to bury uh, the dad and his daughter and just make a burial for him. Uh, and when he goes to speak words for him. He doesn't really remember the uh, the uh, priest, uh, like the church sayings that you would say in the Church of the Seven. But he, I mean, he brings his own kind of faith to it, where he's just like, "I'm sorry, you're dead," and that's a very pragmatic, uh, direct approach, but also an earnest approach. You wouldn't think, I mean, expect anything more from the Hound. Yeah. Um, but it's his actions that speak louder than his words that. He's taking this time to like kind of right the wrongs of his past. Yeah, I mean, I I like that moment because even we we've been saying they've been talking about of he's trying to get rid of this past. He's trying to get rid of this, this life that he used to be, and clearly he's used to be saying those words. He used to say those scriptures from the belief that he used to have, and now he can't even remember. So he says, "Fuck it," you know. I'm just gonna talk from talk from the heart. I'm just gonna be real with you and. Um, I, I even like that that bit of it because it also shows his progression and his growth of a character. So I'm, I'm yeah. so glad he's back. I don't think for a while we thought that he was dead, but I was super bummed. But I'm glad that he's uh, he's definitely back. Uh, and so lastly, we actually end the episode with I think what everybody was waiting for. Everybody was waiting to see. Uh, we see Daenerys sailing with her squad of three dragons. We have Tyrion there. We have uh, Grey Worm there. We have uh, Masandi. Masandi, thank you. Uh, I actually can't remember the other guy's name. Uh, somebody named The Eunuch. Yeah. Varys. 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 Yeah, so we're there. They're sailing up to Dragonstone. She even has a moment of like actually feeling the fact that she's in Westeros, and that hasn't happened since the entire falling out, so it's been a bunch of years. Um, she walks up to the throne, and I think it was really interesting to see that Right as they walked in, we can see that there's like a Baratheon sort of banner hanging. She kind of pulls that down, and there was just no dialogue. And there was something very beautiful to the fact that, and I think Game of Thrones is really, really well done doing this. Of when there's no dialogue happening, then you're going to stimulate me visually, and that's exactly what was happening, because everything was absolutely gorgeous, I, I thought. 
Um, and there's a lot of pull away moments and kind of um, some wide shots of like the actual scope of like walking up to this castle that, you know, oddly enough, we actually have seen before, but not into this capacity yet. Um, so we actually walk up and we see the stone, uh, the chair that I think was actually made out of dragon glass. But I, I don't know. It looked like it. Um, and then we see her walk into the war room with the actual map and we see all the uh, stuff that uh, Stannis was actually kind of working with. And to the fact that, you know, she goes there with Tyrion, they look together and see the final lines of, you know, shall we begin? Ugh. I just, I just love this entire moment of it because now we're... We're finally, we're finally putting things like things into action. So now she's a part of Westeros. There's no more of that, you know, cross the narrow sea, cross the narrow sea. She's done it. So now what's gonna happen next? Uh, I was just super pop, super pumped about this entire scene. This entire. Jesse. Uh, so one thing that I noticed with them coming off the boat and on the beach was everybody's outfits had changed this season. Mm -hmm. She's no longer wearing, like, the white outfit. She There's not a lot of color. There's no, like, golds or anything like that. They're all dressed in, like, black armor. And that's also the same thing that was happening at uh, the main castle with Cersei and all those guys. Mm -hmm. All their gold on red armor is all black now. It's black armor. The, the mountain's dressed in black. And I was just like, oh, that's interesting that all the characters are now, like, wearing dark armor and like all the different colors are gone it's just like muted blacks and grays and then when she walked into the room and started playing with the map i started thinking about the map that cersei was painting on the ground and like again another kind of parallel between the two worlds and i've been trying to figure out if there are other scenes in that episode where people had maps mm -hmm. like if there was one behind john or if there was one in uh the citadel and i think those are the only two okay i, I think just the the because then it would draw a, a parallel between those two camps, which are obviously going to spar off at some point. The Cersei and versus uh, Daenerys. Daenerys. Yeah. Like, and so that was just my two big takes on it, was just seeing the color, loss of color, and the fact that they had the same map. And I was like, oh, they're trying to really show some parallels between these different groups, which, interestingly enough, like, haven't ever seen each other the entire freaking seven seasons they've mm -hmm. been on two different continents so it's going to be weird to have those characters actually speak to one another because they've never once shared a room i'm going to be really excited when they're in the room together yeah you've basically been watching two different tv shows for the last seven years yeah Riley? um yeah i mean it's interesting to think that um besides king's landing and probably the airy or the Vale that um dragonstone is the like the next place to get like a huge like money shot in westeros and they would definitely take the time to make this part of like danny's come came home this is where she was born this is her uh this is her birthright and everything yeah and it's like what a three minute long uh scene of just them walking in silence and everybody's like many steps behind her and just wanting to give her that moment to say like, Hey, this, this is yours. Mm -hmm. You've come home. And it really speaks volumes. Just seeing it. It makes a very powerful image as well. Yeah. I mean, it was great. Uh, it, I just think, I just love everything about it. And I did even see like the, the mention of her black, but she had like red ties, almost like a, 
her, uh, the oldest dragon of it. I know you know that name, Brian. Hopefully, you can help me out. But the oldest yeah, dragon yeah, yeah. is like the same color, color scheme. So I thought that was pretty cool. Um, yeah, and I mean, partly like why she's wearing that is she's dressing West Street now instead of in Essos. Yeah, where it's all it, very colorful, um, very more uh, demo, like I guess democratic would be the closest thing to say is like. Yeah, they're more free cities and not really these big nations that have these colorized uniforms and everything. But also, it is a time for war, and so it does look like battle armor of each of these houses that they would wear going into battle, too. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I'm pumped. I mean, I'm, I'm excited. I know I think everybody else is excited for this one. We were coming to you straight after the episode, so I know this has been a long day for everybody. Um, but, you know, I will say a couple of closing thoughts, and we're not going to grade this one just because we haven't had the complete works, so we're not going to worry about that uh, as a normal sort of template. Um, but I'm just excited. Uh, I didn't watch the, uh, me or, or Jesse, we didn't watch the next step or this season. We didn't watch that bit of it just because I want to try to preserve the magic as much as possible. Um, so I would just say, you know, just exciting things to come. Um, and, uh... Jesse, where can we find where you work? You can't find my work. No, oh, okay. My work's hidden. Hidden? I, I'm, I'm against the internet. I, I didn't even know who this singer was. I don't even remember what his name was. <laughs> but he had a lot of email. Like Eddie no, Shaven? No, I don't know. Reach you out. What'd you say, Brown? There's not even a Ymail account we can reach you at? <laughs> I, I think I have an old Hotmail account laying around somewhere. <laughs> Reactivate it. We need you. Yeah, but uh, as always, thank you. Uh, thanks for hanging out, Jesse. Uh, thanks for hosting. Thanks for having me. Of course, of course. And uh, Bradlin, uh, once again, as always, love to see your face, love to see your voice. Where can you find more of your work? Thank you. Uh, if you want to find a Photoshop of Needle going through Ed Sheeran's head, follow me at Twitter, at Brylin. A, uh, no, it doesn't start with an A. It's B-R-I-L-U-N-D. <laughs> uh, also have an Instagram. I am Brylin. I'll put up, like, really short, like, movie reviews, TV reviews, things like that. I uh, put up one for War of the Planet Apes recently, so definitely check that out. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm getting, that movie's also getting a lot of buzz. So that could be another thing we chat about. So, spoiler alert, it may be. It may be. And we have the Down From Podcast. So we have Patreon, we have Twitter, we have Facebook, we have YouTube. We are literally everywhere, all on the internet, unlike Jesse. Uh, so check out our Patreon.com, uh, Patreon.com slash Down In Front. If you would like to donate, just help us out with everything that we necessarily do. We like to do this stuff for fun. And I'm free. looking at you, Arizona Ice-T. Oh, please, Arizona Ice-T, oh, yeah. please back us for like a couple episodes. I guarantee you won't, we will we will not let you know. Arizona, our Patreon dollars go painstakingly to help fuel Jesse for these shows. Yes. That's true. Yes, please. Uh, so we have Facebook, so facebook.com slash podcast. Um, so we're also going to be there as well as our email, downfrontpodcast at gmail.com. We're going to be posting our YouTube link where we do a bunch of kind of video sort of teasers, like very, very short, like maybe less than a couple minutes of just talk, like hyping us up and talking about the latest reviews. As well as we have a Twitter, and we're also on Stitcher as well. So our Twitter is at underscore D-I-F-P. That's at underscore downfrontpodcast. That's what it stands for. Um, with that, I will say thank you so much for hanging out with us tonight, and we will be back super, super soon and talk about our next reviews, um, and we will say goodbye. Bye. 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 Bye.